Thanks for joining us today. Our church exists to give everyone, everywhere, every reason to know Jesus. You can learn more by connecting with us on Facebook at Journey Fellowship Denton. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy today's message. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 9. I want to share just a few things. I'm not going to be long today. But I want to share with you a few things about what to do when, when you want to look just like Jesus. We've been emphasizing missions. We've been talking about winning the loss. We've been talking about all those things. And, and I'd rather see people come to know the Lord, whether it's here in Denton or around the world than anything else. If you've ever seen someone give their heart to Jesus, it will stir you to say, you know what, I, I want to see that more. I want you to know God, God wants us to be a church who is all about reaching people who don't know the Lord, about the lost, about the lost. We've got plenty of room for them. And so we, we need to reach the lost. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, I'm going to read a verse of Scripture that I had read a few weeks ago, portions of that. I'm going to read quite a bit of Scripture this morning, so I'm going to let the Scripture do the talking, and I'm just going to do some, some comments Matthew chapter 9, 35 says, And Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. One of the prayer requests that we heard from our missionary is we need people to help us. Let me tell you, don't discount the work of God right now in your life. He may ask you right now during this service to spend a year in Spain. He may ask you to spend six months in Spain. Raise your funds, go over there, help them with kids, help them with youth. You never know. And as a pastor, I could think of no greater thing to do than to send missionaries from our church. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 says, And he called his twelve disciples to him, and he gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Verse 7, As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Skip down to verse 12. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. Or if what he's saying is if the home is welcoming, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, then let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or town. I tell you the truth, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. So Jesus is saying that you're going to go to places that are not going to be welcome. And when he says shake the dust off your feet, he's not saying, well, you know, give them a a real good chewing out and say, well, you know what? You deserve to go to hell. I'm out of here. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, don't let that eat on you. Because, friends, there's not one person in this room who can save a soul. 
No one can save anybody in this room. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. That's His work. Our work is just to deliver the message, tell the story. So he goes on in verse 32. Skip down. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. That's a powerful verse. That speaks to public acknowledgement. I don't think there's such a thing as a secret Christian. I don't think there's such a thing as a covert operative in the kingdom of God. If you are a Christian, if you're a believer, if you confess Christ, if you get saved, it will be a noticeable thing. Maybe in that event you get saved by yourself in your own car. You will notice a change in your life. And guess what? People around you will notice a change because if there is no change that happens in your life, then my friend, you were never saved in the first place. Because the fruits of salvation are the fruits of repentance, which means you don't live the same life. You don't act the same way. You don't talk the same way. You don't go to the same place. You don't do the same things because you are not the same person. Christ has now come alive in you and you're a different person. Skip down to verse 37. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Talk about the love that a person should have for God. Jesus cuts right to the chase, doesn't he? Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Wow. Who's supposed to be on the top priority of our list? Is it our family? Oh, they're supposed to be up there. But your relationship with God is numero uno. Anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whenever, whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives the one who sent me. Speaking of the Father. Anyone who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And anyone who receives a righteous man because he is righteous is a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is my disciple, I tell you, he will certainly not lose his reward. Let me put that another way. If anyone brings a sack full of quarters and puts it in a BGMC barrel in a couple of weeks for one of these little kids to give so that they can buy a goat or a sheep for a missionary. Now, I want you to just clarify something. Our missionaries are not eating goat and sheep. They're not milking sheep and goats. They can use them to give to people that they are in ministering to so that they can have the goat or the sheep to work in. But anyone who gives a cup of cold water or a cup of quarters in the name of Jesus, surely you will not lose your reward. And I'll just tell you this, Pastor Chris didn't say it, but we don't mind quiet money either. <laughs> quiet money's just as good as quarters or nickels or pennies or dimes. You want us to be like Jesus? Yes, Pastor, I want I want you to I want you to all be just like Jesus. And I'm just going to bring of all the scripture I read, I want to bring four things to your attention this morning. If you want to truly be like Jesus, you have to, first of all, you have to see like Jesus sees. 
Now, I know that's not profound. You've probably heard that in another sermon that I've preached. You've probably heard that in another sermon somebody else has preached. But let me ask you a question. How's your vision today? Are you seeing what Jesus sees? What does Jesus see? Well, he looks through the externals of people's life. He looks through the outside and the smiles and the happy-go-lucky attitudes. He looks through all of that and he sees the internal dynamic. He sees the real heart of men and women, people, young people, walking around you every day. He sees them, whether you do or not. Not too long ago, a survey was done in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. 3,300 teenagers were interviewed in the Metroplex. And from a Friday night at 6 p.m. through Sunday night at midnight, 50, they found these, this study. 57% of those teenagers were severely depressed. Now, you may not have recognized it by the fun that they were trying to have on Friday and Saturday or even on Sunday, but they were, the vast majority of them felt depressed downcast in their spirit. We talked about that. We prayed about that this morning. 15 to 19 year olds are the most depressed group in our entire society. They are four times more likely to be depressed than a person in their 40s. And they are seven times more likely to be depressed than a person in their 60s. Why is that? It's because they have carried something in this world. The culture has taught them something that they cannot find answers. And it is it is propositioned them to, to buy into the society and the culture that, that doesn't have God in the equation. And they found themselves coming up empty over and over and over again. Teenage girls are the most depressed people in our entire society. On average, 28% of all teenagers in the United States are depressed at any given time. Do you see that? Do we see it in our children? Do we see it in our schools? Do we see it in our high schools? Some of it's very evident. Some of it's not. It's masked pretty well. It's masked. And so that people that can't catch it. Let me tell you, our kids need to hear about Jesus. I, I think it's a wonderful thing that, that Brian is, and Ruthie are working in an area where families are so, are, are so important. There has not been a major move of God in the country of Spain ever. And I believe that God can do that. And, and it could start with Brian and Ruthie Gomez. They could start a church and begin to lead families. And if that generation catches hold of what Jesus can do in their life, it could transform an entire country. It's the same thing. The revival of America, I believe, that could really take hold and spark a move of God in this entire nation. Why couldn't it start here at Journey Fellowship Church and spread all across the country? We're right in the middle. It can go all directions. Let it be. Let it begin because we begin to see people as they are, not, not just the externals, but as their hearts really are. Most people, they want to just identify with somebody, with something. And that's why in this generation, this, people, this, this generation is filled with so many lonely, angry, hurting, afraid people. Because they're always trying to be a part of a group and identify with certain people. As I was doing research, I came across a story about an evangelist who was preaching in a, in a big crusade. I don't know if it, was, if it was in Houston or Dallas or Atlanta, I can't remember. 
But there was a group of teens, it was teens, and they were all assembled together. And when they had this meeting, there was a group of protesters that came in and they sat on the front row and they sat about 15 feet from the evangelist that was speaking. And that night as he shared the gospel, they came in with their signs, they held their signs up, you know, and they tried to just cause trouble and cause havoc. But that evangelist kept on preaching. Half of them had pink hair and they were all, you know, they're just doing their thing. You've seen it on television. He kept preaching and he preached something that was very powerful. He preached about the love of God. No matter who you are, no matter where you came from, no matter where you're heading, God loves you and he cares about your life. He cares about who you are. There was one young man in the midst of that entire row. Heard it. He caught it. And as that service ended that night, that young man approached the stage and he asked that evangelist, that guest evangelist, he said, with tears in his eyes, he said, could you give me a hug? The evangelist kind of taken him. He's like, what? He's like, could you give me a hug? He said, my dad has never given me a hug. My dad has never even told me he even loves me. He said, would you just give me a hug? You talked about love. Would you just give me a hug? He said, sure. Before this evangelist could even wrap, he said, this big kid wrapped his arms around him, laid his head on his shoulder and began to weep and sob. You know, this generation, they don't need to be ridiculed and criticized. They've got all types of, of people on the outside that will ridicule and criticize. What they need to see is love. And we have to see that because it's easy for a Christian to say, well, you know what, they don't care. You know, look, look at them. You know, they're pink hair or they're protesting signs. And it doesn't have to be a teenager. It doesn't matter who they are. We have to see them as an object of God's love. We have to see their hearts that are broken and hurting and needing Jesus, looking for, looking for acceptance, looking for someone just to say, you matter. We've got to see these people. People want to know that they matter. And most of the time, that's why we see so many strange things that happen. People acting out and doing crazy things. It's because they want someone to at least acknowledge them that they even matter. Our excuse is usually this. Well, pastor, they don't want Jesus. Have you ever thought that? If you have... Ask God to help you. It may be true. We know that wide is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to righteousness. We know that. That there's going to be people who won't accept the gospel. We understand that. But when you walk around with an attitude that nobody wants to get saved, that nobody wants Jesus, nobody wants to know about the love of God, when you walk around with that, that attitude, you have, you have cut yourself off from ever being a missionary, from ever being like Jesus. Because Jesus didn't walk around and say, you know what, I know they're going to deny me. I know they're going to turn their backs on me. I know they're going to walk away from me. What did Jesus do? He preached the love of God that He gave Himself. Even in the midst of knowing that people would reject Him, Jesus went to the cross anyway. Even when we know people may object, reject us, we still lay the love of God before them and say, you know what, I pray and I hope that people will open up. There's a neat story that I've heard many years ago about 
the 20th century shoe salesman, a shoe manufacturer that was watching their business decline in England. And as business began to decline, the, the owner of the company said, we need to open up new markets. And so he got two of his top salesmen. He said, here's what we're going to do. In 20th century England, he said, we're going to go to the continent of Africa. We're going to sell shoes in the continent of Africa. What I'm going to do is I'm going to send you two guys to do different, two different countries. And I want you to, to see what the, the possibility of opening a new market in those areas. So these two sharp salesmen, they get on the boats, they, they go to the continent of Africa. One lands in one country, one goes to another. The first salesman, after about a month, he calls his boss back. He says, boss, I don't have good news. Everybody here goes barefoot. No one wears shoes. So we're not going to be able to sell any shoes to anybody. It's a lost cause. The next day, the other salesman, he calls up excited. He said, boss, I want you to listen to me. Everybody around here goes barefoot. No one wears shoes and there are no shoe stores. We are going to make a fortune selling shoes. You see, it's how you look at it. It's how you see the world around you. You have to see, is there people who want to know Jesus Yes, there's people who want to know about Jesus. Yes, there's people who want to break free from that loneliness and from that, from that heaviness and from this, the weight and the pressures of life that have given them no answers. There are people who are waiting for you and you to tell them and to share them that love. You have to see what Jesus sees. You have to see the crowds. And the Scripture says, says he saw the crowds and he had compassion on them. You have to feel what Jesus feels. Over and over, 96 times in the Scriptures will you see, and God had compassion upon His people. Matthew chapter 20, verse 34, Jesus had compassion on them. He touched their eyes, the blind men. Matthew 14, 14, Jesus saw this crowd. He landed on the, on the, landed on the, the shore and He saw a crowd and He had compassion on them and He healed their sick. Matthew 15, 32, Jesus calls his disciples to him and he says, I have compassion on these people. What was he saying? He says, I see the people, but I also feel what they feel. I feel it. When's the last time we have hurt? That word compassion comes from the Greek word, which means to irritate the bowel. I won't even go into the detail of that word for sake of time and for lunch. But I'm just telling you right now that it is a, it is a very expressive word. To have compassion means that you get an upset stomach. When's the last time that you got an upset stomach for a lost person? It's kind of like the guy... I mean, we, we, have, we have to feel what other people feel. The guy was standing on the corner of the street. He decides he's going to cross the street. So he steps off the curb. He starts walking by. He sees a car zooming straight at him. So he turns around. He heads back, gets back up on the curb. The car stops. Like, well, okay. Takes a step off the curb, starts walking that way. The car begins to, to drive at him again, comes at him again. So he, he takes a step to the right. The car begins to swerve toward him to the right. He takes a step to the left. The car begins to swerve toward him to the left. He starts running. The car accelerates. It starts speeding right toward him. The guy's like, what in the world? So he just stops in the middle of the road. 
The car pulls screeching halt right up to him. The man walks over to the window of the driver's side and the window comes down. He looks inside and there's a squirrel driving the car. And he's like, what? The squirrel looked out and said, now you know how I feel. <laughs> you got to learn to feel what others feel. Because until you feel what they feel, to feel the pain of another person, when you begin to, your stomach begins to churn because how people and their condition of where they are in life, it will motivate you to do something. Because when you have a stomach ache, you go try to fix it. You go get some more Mexican food, and that solves the problem. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 says, God has chosen people as His chosen people And dearly love, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Let that be a part of who we are. We have to see what he sees. We have to feel like he feels. We have to pray like he prays. What did he say in those verses in chapter 10? He said, pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth workers. What we usually pray is this, Lord, if you'll just open the door for me, if you'll just open the door for me, Lord, I will be a missionary or I'll, I'll say something to my co-worker or I'll say something to the student next to me. If you'll just open the door. And you know what God is saying? The door is open. Here's what you do. You should change your prayer. Now listen to me, church. You should change your prayer. When it's about telling somebody about Jesus, stop praying, God, open the door for me to tell them about Jesus. Here's the prayer that you need to pray. God, if it's not the right time, shut the door. Because it's always the right time. God has expressed Himself. Look, go and make disciples. Go and preach this good news. Go and share the gospel. Always be on alert to invest in somebody's life. God's got the door open for us. Always. We have to say, Lord, if it's not the right time, just shut the door and let me know it. Speak to them through the Holy Spirit so that I'll know that now is not really the good time. But tomorrow might be because the door that, that swings open to somebody's heart is controlled by the, the work of the Holy Spirit. And so if we're praying that the Lord would, would bring the harvest in, then God will open the doors. He will plow up the ground so the seed goes in and He will send workers. I pray, Lord of the harvest, all the time. God, send us workers. Send us people to to staff our kids' ministry and our youth ministry, our worship ministry. I'd love to see somebody else banging on the guitar, playing keyboards and singing and playing drums and bass. We're praying God does that. We're praying that the Lord would send more people to help us with kids and different things. And if you're not a part of those things, you're missing out. I'm just telling you, you're missing out. Because you're, you're, those folks are blessing other people. They're sharing. And when you begin to pray for Lord of the Harvest, usually what happens is the Lord says, Hey, I, I, Lord, send workers. And the Lord says, How about you? Right? Isn't that the way it usually works? God sends somebody to old Brian and Ruthie over there in Spain, Lord, to take care of those kids and, and to work with the youth. And maybe the Lord right now is speaking to somebody and saying, How about you? How about you? We have to feel, we have to pray, and then we've got to do what Jesus did. We have to invest our lives. 
I'm going to close with this story. When you begin to do things for the Lord, you don't know where the return is. You don't always know where the return is. And it may not, you may not see it in this life. I don't know the impact that I've had on every person. Some, it may be more significant than I realize. You don't know the impact that you've had on the people that surround you or that you've had a conversation with. You, you may not recognize it, maybe until you get to heaven and you stand there and that person comes up to you and says, I want to thank you for telling me about Jesus because I'm here today because of your testimony. Because we can get so overwhelmed. We can get so overwhelmed to the point where we say, you know, there's, there's so many lost people that I, it just doesn't really matter. There's a little boy walking down the seashore one day after a hurricane, like the hurricane that hit Florida. And as he walked down the, the beach there, thousands upon thousands of tens of thousands of starfish had been walked, has been washed up onto the sandy beaches. And this little boy was walking down that beach and he'd pick up a starfish, he'd look at it, and he'd turn and he'd chunk it right back into the water. He'd take a few more steps, he'd pick up another starfish, he'd turn and he'd chunk that starfish back in the water. An older man was watching him as he made his way down the sandy beach of that coastline. And this, this man was intrigued. So he walked down to him and he asked that boy, he said, son, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm saving starfish. That older gentleman, with all of his wisdom, he looked down the beach in both directions. He said, son. Do you see how many starfish there are on this beach? Do you see how many millions that there are? He said, are you going to walk that far? Are you going to, are you going to, are you going to go all the way in that direction, in that direction? Are you going to do all? Are you going to try to do this? He's like, he's like, what you're doing doesn't really matter. The little boy bent over, picked up another starfish. He threw it in the water and he says, it mattered to that one. You don't know what you do, the conversation that you have, how much it's going to matter to a person. You just don't know. Only in God's economy can we recognize that. Our light the night thing that we take place that's going to take place in, on Halloween night. We don't know. As a kid walks up to play a, a little simple game. And you give them a ball or whatever. And you give them a piece of candy. And you might say, here you go, son. I want you to know Jesus loves you more than this, as good as this candy tastes. He loves, you, he, he loves you more than anything in this world. You never know what that can do. But it can matter to that one. I know that it mattered to me when I was just a child. So you have to do what Jesus did. Get involved. Don't let somebody else take that responsibility. You take it. Let the Lord of the harvest send you. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. Regina, could you come?
The presence of the Lord has been with us today. He is, it's been wonderful to be in His house gathered with you today. But I want to say this. There's nothing any more wonderful than for someone to come to know Jesus. That should be a, a, a priority in our lives. If you're here this morning and you identify with that person who doesn't know Jesus, let me tell you something. You're not here by accident. This group of people, they, they love you genuinely. There are people in this church, they genuinely love. We're not, we don't just come together and go through the motions and do church. I know every person in this church right now, except it's your first time. I, I know, I know who you are, and, and I know who you are. You love, you love, genuinely love one another. But if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, or you need to get your life right with God, you've been playing a game and running around. Let me tell you, friend, don't wait another moment. Don't wait another moment. This is, this is your time. This is, God has brought you here for this purpose today to bring you back to where you need to be. And so before we leave this morning, I want to give that opportunity. I'm going to give you an opportunity to come to one of these altars and kneel and to say, Lord, I want you to bring me back to you. Or Lord, I want you to change my life. I want to give my heart to you today. That's not some old-fashioned saying. That's still the business of the Father. Jesus came in Luke chapter 4, verse 10. He says, I have not come for the righteous, but I have come for the sinner. If you're here today and you need to respond to the call of God, when we stand, I want you to move out of your seat. I want you to come and kneel at one of these altars. We're going to pray with you just as, as we close today. We've been talking about missions and going, and I just want to encourage you. God may be speaking to some of you to do a little bit, something extra. Maybe the Lord's calling you to be a missionary. Maybe He's calling you for a temporary trip. Maybe the Lord's calling you to increase your missions giving. Maybe the Lord's calling you to start witnessing and be a little bit more bold in your faith. Maybe the Lord's calling you to a particular person or to a particular place. We don't know. I don't know, but God knows. And the Holy Spirit is maybe dealing with your heart. And over the last several weeks, we have spent a lot of time trying to show that the harvest needs to be brought in. Thanks for listening to this message. If you were blessed by this ministry, we want to encourage you to share it. And if you don't have a church home, come join us any Sunday at 1030.